Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com haunted. I'll see you there. Kentucky may be known for its rolling green horse pastures, world-renowned bourbon, and bugs. Okay, it may not be known for bugs, but that's what I know it for. A little backstory. My grandparents are from Kentucky. As a kid, we would go visit them in what is probably the smallest town I have ever set foot in. Boonville, Kentucky is part of Owsley County, and as of the census in 2010, it had a population of 81. I can't imagine that number has changed much. I thought places like this only existed in movies. You know, I I lived in Brooklyn. There were probably more people on the floor of my building than this entire town. Needless to say... This city kid was not prepared for the wildlife that lived in the hills that surrounded my grandmother's house. I remember on one visit, waking up in the middle of the night to the shrieks of some animal that I can only describe as a monster. I was the only one awake in the house, and the room I was staying at didn't have a TV. Road tripping down with my family, I slept a majority of the way, something I am still very good at. It's like hitting a time warp. I'm in the car for five minutes, and good night. I wake up someplace new. Anyway, I had one of those portable DVD players in the car, and I planned to watch movies on during the trip, you know, before I fell into my coma. I decided I was going to get up and go get it. I hit the unlock on my parents' Ford Explorer, and the headlights illuminated my path. Aside from the moon, that was the only light on outside. Walking to the car felt like I was being assaulted by marbles. I didn't know bugs could get that big. I ran to the car and slammed the door behind me and locked the door. I sat there for who knows how long, building up the courage to run back to the house. Finally I did, and I got a little extra pep in my step when I heard that shriek again. The next morning I come to find out that the sound I heard came from a mountain lion, and it was pretty stupid of me to go running out into the dark like that. You live and you learn. Aside from all that, to those in the know, and if you know where to look, You'll find plenty of ghosts, paranormal activity, and real haunted houses in the Bluegrass State. 
Do you believe in ghosts? Join me on the journey through America's dark and haunted past as we explore the ghost stories and folklore that have been passed down for generations. What scares you? Let's find out. I'm Christopher Feinstein, and this is Haunted American History. In the depths of Pikeville, Kentucky, a spectral presence looms over the city, intertwining itself with local legends and captivating the imagination of Pike County residents. Tales of this ghost, believed to be the spirit of Octavia Hatcher, have become ingrained in the area's lore, generating numerous versions of her demise, life, and eerie manifestations in the nearby graveyard. Amidst the plethora of stories surrounding her, the truth may be more unsettling than the fictional accounts. However, some steadfastly maintain that Octavia Hatcher's ghost still haunts this place, never finding solace since she died in 1891. Her restless spirit continues to wander, forever eluding a peaceful rest. During the 19th century, the influential Hatcher family held great prominence in Pike County. James Hatcher, fondly known as Uncle Jim in his later years, was a wealthy landowner and notable business figure in the Pikeville region. Born in September 1959 to A.J. and Mary Seen Lane Hatcher at the mouth of Beaver Creek in Floyd County, James relocated to Pikeville during his early life and received his education there. At 18, Hatcher embarked on his entrepreneurial journey by establishing a warehouse to accommodate the goods brought in via the river. Over time, he gained a reputation for handling a substantial portion of the merchandise transported by steamers to the city. Displaying his enterprising spirit, Hatcher collaborated with fellow businessmen to construct a steamer known as the Mountain Girl. Renowned as the finest vessel on the river, though it eventually encountered financial setbacks. Undeterred by this setback, Hatcher expanded his endeavors into the contracting industry, leading to his involvement in constructing the Piteville Courthouse in 1886. He also became a pioneer in the timber business in southeastern Kentucky, even before the arrival of railroads and the discovery of coal. Hatcher used rafts to transport lumber down the Big Sandy River to reach Cincinnati, Louisville, and Evansville markets. His profits were wisely invested in land, making him one of the largest individual landowners in the valley. He later established the James Hatcher Coal Company and accumulated great wealth in the coal industry. Hatcher also held a significant role in Democratic politics circles, serving as the clerk of the Pike County Court and later being elected as a railroad commissioner in 1932. In 1931, Hatcher opened the Hotel Hatcher on Pikeville's Main Street, which quickly gained a reputation as one of the most remarkable landmarks of the Big Sandy River region. The hotel's spacious lobby featured a museum displaying fascinating artifacts like ox yokes, antique homemade furniture, weapons, and utensils used by early settlers. The walls were adorned with historical photos, illustrations, maps, and Pike and Floyd County's information. The lobby also boasts a grand fireplace, creating a warm and inviting atmosphere. In October of 1939, James Hatcher passed away at his home next to the Hotel Hatcher after being ill for several weeks, shortly after celebrating his 80th birthday. The funeral was held at the hotel and attended by numerous friends, relatives, and distinguished figures such as Kentucky Governor A.B. Chandler, Lieutenant Governor Keen Johnson, and other state officials. In a specially constructed casket, Hatcher was laid to rest in the family pot in Pikesville Cemetery. 
While the exact specifications of the coffin remain unknown, it sparks curiosity as to whether it might have influenced some form of safety release mechanism, allowing someone inside to escape in case of premature burial. As you will soon discover, Hatcher had good reason to be haunted by this fear. In 1889, at age 30, James Hatcher married a young woman named Octavia Smith in Pikeville. Octavia was the daughter of Jacob Smith, one of the early settlers in the area. However, their life together would be tragically brief. Their union brought forth a son named Jacob shortly before his mother's death. Sadly, the baby passed away soon after birth, possibly contributing to Octavia's subsequent decline in health and descent into depression. Octavia Hatcher's death has given the rise to the legend in Pikeville. Jacob, the Hatcher's newborn baby, entered the world in January of 1891. Still, his life was tragically cut short, lasting only a few days. Shortly after that, Octavia fell gravely ill, likely due to her emotional state. Her condition deteriorated rapidly, and she slipped into a coma in April of that year. The doctors could not identify the cause of her illness, and when she passed away on May 2nd, it was believed to be due to an unknown ailment. Funeral services were promptly conducted, and an unseasonably hot spring weather posed challenges. Since Octavia was not embalmed, her burial at the Hatcher family plot occurred immediately. James had just endured an unimaginable double tragedy, but little did he know that his grief was far from over. In the aftermath of Octavia's death, a peculiar phenomenon unfolded. Several individuals began experiencing symptoms akin to Octavia's coma-like state before her demise. Research by Herma Shelton uncovered that this affliction was a form of sleeping sickness caused by a bite of a specific fly. As news of this spread, James Hatcher and his family, including some of who were doctors, grew increasingly concerned that Octavia may have contracted the same illness. Their apprehension turned to outright panic as the possibility arose that she might have been buried alive. An emergency exhumation was hastily arranged, and Octavia's casket was opened. The ghastly scene that awaited them was beyond imagination. Evidently, the coffin had not been airtight, and Octavia had survived for several days, trapped beneath the earth. The lining of the coffin lid had been torn and shredded by Octavia's desperate attempt to claw her way out and her face bore an expression of terror. She appeared to have awakened from her slumber only to find herself confined in the casket. Unable to escape, she had met a horrifying fate. Octavia was laid to rest once again, but James Hatcher's heart was shattered. He erected an expensive monument at her gravesite, a tall stone adorned with the likeness of Octavia standing atop it. Initially, the statue also held a carving of her baby. Still, vandals broke off the arm over time, leaving the infant figure on the ground next to the marker. As the years passed, the unsettling tale of Octavia Hatcher's final moments circulated within Pikeville. As often happens with legends, the story underwent various distortions and alterations, losing much of its original truth. During Herma Shelton's time at Pikeville College, she encountered numerous versions of the story, each with unique variations. The most commonly circulated revision claimed that Octavia had died while still pregnant. According to this version, mourners allegedly heard strange sounds from the coffin during the funeral. Upon opening the lid, 
They supposedly discovered that the deceased woman had given birth to the baby, Jacob. However, this version is unequivocally false, as it's simple to visit the Hatcher family gravesite, and that would reveal that Jacob's death preceded Octavia by several months. As the tale of Octavia Hatcher spread, it acquired the qualities of an urban legend. College students and local teenagers often gathered at the cemetery on Halloween night to indulge in drinks and scare each other. They claimed that the statue would come alive on certain nights, frightening trespassers away from the graveyard. It was during these times that an individual broke off the arm that held the stone infant. Mischievous pranksters even went as far as climbing into the monument to taunt the statue. This gave rise to yet another version of the story, and perhaps the most popular. According to this rendition, Octavia's spirit harbored anger toward the people of Pikeville for allowing her to be buried alive. As a result, she allegedly turned her back on the city every year on the anniversary of her death. On these nights, the statue atop her grave marker would rotate on its pedestal, facing the opposite direction. This narrative was widely accepted as truth for many years until it was revealed that clever college students orchestrated the nocturnal movements. Even after numerous stories about Octavia were debunked, the rumors of the cemetery being haunted continued to persist. Visitors to the site, especially those on the hill where the graveyard was located, often heard eerie cries in the darkness and witnessed misty apparitions near Octavia's grave. In the mid-1990s, the Hatcher family took action by placing a new stone in the cemetery, providing accurate information about Octavia's death. They also positioned her statue on a new marble base. They enclosed the area with a fence to deter trespassers and vandals. While these additions succeeded in keeping out unwanted visitors, they did little to quell the ongoing stories of ghosts and supernatural occurrences surrounding the burial plot. Several residents living near the cemetery hill were interviewed over many years, uncovering accounts of incidents within its confines. Many expressed a genuine fear of entering the graveyard, especially at night, firmly believing that the ghost of Octavia Hatcher still roams the area. One couple, who had been residing nearby for over three decades, shared a peculiar observation they had made in recent months. According to their account, on several nights, they heard the sound of a woman weeping emanating from the direction of the burial plot. Yet, upon checking the area, they found no one present in the cemetery. Another couple, who was relatively new to the neighborhood, mentioned that local residents had informed them to expect parties and trespassers in the cemetery during the night. However, they had not witnessed any such activity. One evening, prompted by a kitten crying in the darkness, they ventured into the graveyard. As they approached the hatcher plot, where the cries seemed to originate, the weeping abruptly ceased. So does the ghost of Octavia Hatcher truly wander the Pikeville Cemetery? Or are these merely local myths? According to several credible witnesses, inexplicable occurrences continue to occur near the spot where Octavia's life was filled with terror. Could those who claim to feel the sense of depression and unease around her grave be experiencing echoes of the young woman's final moments? Or are the apparitions reported around the burial site manifestations of Octavia's spirit still searching for peace? Ultimately, the choice is yours to make. But hey, if you're feeling adventurous, why not visit Pikeville Cemetery? Whether you encounter ghostly apparitions or not, it's a spot where a woeful tale of a life cut short unfolds. Pause. Soak in the atmosphere. 
and offer quiet recognition to the unfortunate soul who met an untimely demise. You may leave with a ghostly encounter to talk about. It's entirely your call. Hey, folks. You guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion. It's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com haunted. I'll see you there. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Hey folks. Uh, just wanted to stop in and say how blown away I am by all the response I got last week when I, you know, I mentioned that we're making a movie. Uh, you know, and uh, a lot of you had a lot of really good guesses, and some of you were pretty close, but nobody quite hit the nail on the head yet. But I also have some other news based on that. Most of you are aware about what's going on in the world, and uh, there, of course, is... A strike going on right now between actors and writers. So that kind of took the wind out of the sails for the movie currently. You know, so basically once the strike is over and all the settlements happen, I'm kind of going to be back to ground zero again. But that's okay. Listen, these things happen. Listen, just to be in the talks with people about turning this show into a movie is... I, I can't even wrap my head around it. So I'm so grateful for everybody that listens to the show 
that expresses their love of the stories that I create. And just, just thank you. Thank you so much. I also have another announcement, though, I want to make. So now, while the movie thing is kind of getting put on the back burner, it's really crazy how it's just like week to week. Like last week, I was so pumped when I put that episode out, and I was like, oh, I can't wait. And then all the news with the strike broke, and I was like, oh, all right, I guess, uh, you know, I was kind of in a little bit of a creative lull for a, for a day or two. It doesn't take me long to, to bounce back. So here's my idea. This is what's going to happen in the close to near future. Um, Zachary Bain. I'm going to do a complete series. Podcast series, I should say. Fully scripted. After Seclusion, you know, we had such a great time making Seclusion and working with actors, and it was so fun, so much fun. And I said, listen, this is going to be the testing ground to see if we can do a series sort of low budget, super low budget. I mean, Seclusion, we, you know, everything was just paid out of pocket, and, you know, it's still... It was low budget, but it was still, you know, still cost some money to you know, sound, sound designing and hiring the actors and paying the actors. And it was, it was a lot of work that went into it. Zachary Bain, I want to do on a gigantic scale. Hire people to do the music and the sound editing and the sound designing and actors. And, you know, the version of Zach Bain that I've told on this show is essentially a watered-down, compressed version of it. I tried to pack it all in in the episodes that, you know, just to keep it short and sweet. I, I really was only planning on doing the first episode until I had such a outpouring of, of love for the story. And also, there was a, there's enough of an equal part outpouring of hate for the story as well. This is, this is what I'm getting at. So my plan is to potentially crowdfund a full version of the show. Soup to Nuts fully produced radio drama, audio drama, whatever you want to call it, of the Zachary Bain story. And multiple seasons as well, because I have, obviously, I've talked about how this was going to be a book, and I had, I have pretty much a Bible made of three full novels worth of stuff for Zach's story. And it's really, really great. So that's something I think we're going to do. We're going to launch a crowdfund for that to try to raise the money to really, really do it right. So, while we wait for the movie, you're going to get Zach Bain. Full ver- and you know what? And It's not going to be on my my uh, feed here. Not on the Haunted American History feed. I'm going to launch its own new feed. It's going to be its own thing. Separate from the show, Zachary Bain's story. And, yeah, look for that announcement soon with the crowdfund. And, you know, I couldn't have done this without you guys. So, again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. All right, let's get back to Kentucky. If you're interested in the paranormal, chances are that you're familiar with the notorious Bobby Mackey's music world in Wilder, Kentucky. This establishment has gained infamy due to its tumultuous and blood-soaked history. Since 1978, it has been owned by renowned country singer Bobby Mackey. However, the previous inhabitants of the building don't appear to have any intention of vacating. In fact, the premises is said to be riddled with ghosts. During the 1850s, 
The site where Bobby Mackey's Music World now stands was once a bustling slaughterhouse. I don't know if you would really consider a slaughterhouse bustling. Yeah. However, as the slaughterhouse operations ended four decades later, the building was abandoned for a considerable period. Little did people know, the vacant place held a dark secret. Unbeknownst to the public, a group of individuals who worship Satan took residence in the building, and they performed horrifying rituals, sacrificing small animals and discarding their remains in the slaughterhouse as well. Believed by many to be a portal to the depths of hell, the well served as a conduit for draining the blood of the butchered creatures into the nearby river. The worshippers operated discreetly for an extended period, hiding from the prying eyes of the outside world. However, their secret was shattered when two of their members committed a gruesome murder, bringing their sinister activities to light. Pearl, who was a young farmer's daughter of 22, found herself deeply enamored by Scott Jackson, a promising and aspiring dentist. However, their unwed status became a challenge when Pearl became pregnant. Concerned about the situation, Pearl and Scott decided to pursue an abortion. Unbeknownst to Pearl, Scott was associated with a satanic group that operated within the old slaughterhouse. Scott planned to perform the procedure with his accomplice, Alonzo Wowling. Blinded by the fear of her father's reaction, Pearl agreed. Tragically, she was already five months pregnant when she left her family home, never to return. Initially, Scott and Alonzo attempted to terminate the pregnancy using cocaine. When their first attempt failed, Scott, driven by a malevolent force within him, decided to employ his dental tools for the gruesome task. During the horrifying procedure, Pearl's life was tragically taken as her head was severed with a small, sharp instrument. Shockingly, subsequent autopsy reports revealed that Pearl had been alive through the ordeal. Her decapitated body was discovered and identified by her distinct shoes. Swiftly, the perpetrators were apprehended and sentenced to death. Regrettably, Pearl's severed head was never recovered. Speculation suggests that it may have been used in a twisted ritual before being disposed of off in the nearby well, forever lost to darkness. Following the gruesome event, the vacant building stood desolate until its eventual demolition in 1920. A cafe was constructed in its place, becoming a hub for illicit activities. The cafe became a hotspot for illegal gambling, clandestine production of bootleg liquor, and breeding ground for violence. Numerous murders stained the establishment's history, prompting those involved to dispose of bodies elsewhere, evading scrutiny from local police. In 1933, the illicit practices at the cafe came to light, prompting its sale to E.A. Brady. Under Brady's ownership, the venue transformed into a prosperous casino, attracting attention from the Mafia. Eager to seize control, the Mafia sought to acquire Brady's establishment. However, Brady staunchly refused, unwilling to yield to their demands. As a consequence, he faced the repercussions of his defiance. His casino endured multiple acts of vandalism, and customers were subjected to violent assaults in the parking lot. Recognizing the fealty of his resistance, Brady eventually succumbed and sold his casino, giving in to the relentless pressure. Tragically, burdened by his experiences, Brady took his own life in 1965. 
In his final moments, he cursed the location that had seen so much turmoil and despair. Little did anyone know that his wish would be granted, setting the stage for further darkness. Under new ownership by the mob, the casino underwent a transformation and it was given the name the Latin Quarter. It served as a dual purpose as both a casino and a bustling nightclub. Aware of the illegal activities within its walls, the local police maintained a watchful eye, periodically conducting raids on the premises. Gambling tables and slot machines were seized and removed during the final raid. The once thriving establishment faced the consequence Brady had desired, signaling the end of an error. The new proprietor of the establishment had a daughter named Johanna, who happened to be a talented dancer performing at the nightclub. Joanna's heart became entangled with Robert Randall, a fellow performer within the club. However, his fury knew no bounds when Johanna's father discovered the affair. Utilizing his connections within the criminal underworld, he ensured that Robert would never come near his daughter again. Tragically, five months pregnant, Johanna took her own life backstage by consuming poison, overwhelmed by the despair of her circumstances. In the early 1970s, the building briefly transitioned into a hard rock cafe. However, its time as such was short-lived, as a fatal shooting occurred right in front of the establishment. The ensuing tragedy cast a shadow over its existence. Then, in 1978, Bobby Mackey and his wife Janet entered the scene, acquiring the venue and taking ownership of the premises. Carl Lawson, the inaugural employee of the club, served as the handyman and resided in a modest apartment located directly above the premises. It wasn't long before Carl's life took an eerie turn. Strange phenomena such as the jukebox playing, despite it being powerless, began to occur. Carl himself witnessed a malevolent presence lurking behind the bar, unseen by others. Astonishingly, he even claimed to have conversations with Joanna, accompanied by the lingering scent of roses whenever she appeared. Unfortunately, Carl's accounts were dismissed as the ramblings of a deranged man, and he was labeled as someone who was talking to himself. The club's owner, Bobby Mackey, was initially unhappy with Carl's persistent ghost stories. Being a skeptic, Bobby feared that such fables would deter customers and harm business. Everything changed when Janet, Bobby's wife, had a chilling encounter in the basement that defied rational explanation. This eerie incident shattered Bobby's skepticism, opening his eyes to the possibility of something supernatural occurring within the club. During a solitary moment in Bobby Mackey's basement, Janet found herself unexpectedly seized around the waist by an invisible force. Lifted and pushed backwards, she felt an urging pressure guarding her towards the stairs, accompanied by a frantic voice of a woman shouting, Get out! Get out! Get out! Janet, much like Pearl and Johanna, was also five months pregnant. Was that merely a coincidence? After Janet shared her harrowing encounter with the staff, a cascade of strange events unfolded as each member recounted their supernatural experiences. Everyone seemed to have silently held on to their encounters, fearing the stigma of being labeled as insane, much like Carl. Roger Heath, one of the bartenders, once witnessed two small handprints on Carl's back, as if an ethereal woman had embraced him. Numerous employees reported sightings of a headless woman, believed to be the ghost of poor Pearl. The phenomenon primarily occurred near the well, serving as a focal point for the paranormal activity. 
Though initially not inclined toward religious beliefs, Carl, seeking guidance, took the advice of an individual and sprinkled holy water into the well on multiple occasions. However, the question remained. Was this well-intentioned action truly beneficial, or did it inadvertently set a series of unforeseen events into motion? Contrary to the intended effect, holy water only agitated the spirits further. Objects flew off the shelves, lights flickered incessantly, and employees faced physical attacks ranging from scratching to hair pulling. The situation grew so intense that an exorcism was attempted in 1994. Still, to everyone's dismay, it proved an even worse idea. The enraged spirits retaliated by pushing customers and employees, and inflicting scratches that drew blood. The terrifying attempts left everyone deeply frightened. In light of this, Bobby made a pivotal decision. He chose to coexist with the restless spirits. Over time, the atmosphere at Bobby Mackey's music club has significantly improved, and the spirits have become more well-behaved. Occasional gentle caresses from unseen hands or playful pokes to the side have replaced aggressive encounters. The ghosts have acquired rather discerning musical tastes. Suppose a band performs music that the spirit dislikes. In that case, throwing objects resumes, intended to frighten them away from the stage. Today, Bobby Mackey's Music Club holds a special place in the hearts of many. But let's be honest. When it comes to sharing your beer with a friendly ghost, would you raise a toast or give a spectral? No thanks. I'm Christopher Feinstein, and this is Haunted American History. I'd like to give a special shout to my newest patrons, Jason, Trevor, and Julianne. Thank you so much for joining. You guys, you guys are the best. If you're interested in joining the Patreon, ad-free episodes, and uh, early releases, patreon.com slash haunted American history. Thank you guys so much. Love you. Later, folks. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out, and we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. 
Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories if you're brave enough. (laughs) 